this world is not a physically tough world. We don't have to go out and hunt for our food. We don't have to go out and survive malaria, right? But we do mentally have to be able to deal with all the things that come at us. So that is something that I'm really working on with my children is that that mental side of the game. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Tony's. As we approach the holiday season and you're looking for that great gift for your kids or grandkids, make sure you check out Tony's. Did you know that using Tony's can boost development in your child? A recent independent study has shown that when Tony's becomes a regular part of our kids' lives, their attention, reading comprehension, and vocabulary all improve. 100 children ages 2 to 5 used a Tony box for 12 weeks, and parents were instructed to incorporate it into their child's daily routine. 60% of the children improved comprehension scores and reading comprehension increased by an average of 13 percent 66 percent of the children improved their vocabulary level and their vocabulary scores increased by an average of 13 percent 53 percent of children improved their attention rating and reading attention has increased by an average of six percent so if you're looking for the great gift that your kids will love that's fun and entertaining but as parents and grandparents you can feel happy that this gift is educational as well Make sure you check out Tony's. Go to their website at us.tonys.com. That's us.tonys.com. What's going on, everybody? Artie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this gentleman on, Steve Trevino. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Steve. How you doing, sir? I'm man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I, you have all the cool toys that you couldn't have as a kid. I get it. You know, all the <laughs> things your dad didn't give you are, are behind you. I, I understand. Well, some of the stuff like the old school R two D two, I mean the C three P and Darth Vader, like that's from my childhood. Your dad only gets you things that he thinks are cool, right? <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you're on the show. We were talking about father. We were talking about your great stand up career and just all the good things you're doing. The podcast you're doing with your wife. We're gonna be talking about how you bond with your kids and all that good stuff. But let me take me back to the beginning, sir. When you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind? I, I always wanted to be a dad. I, I knew I wanted to be a dad. That was kind of something that, that was already in me. And I think a lot of people have that. Unfortunately for us, and I'm not saying anything that's never been said between me and my wife, she did not. She did not have the feeling of wanting to be a mother. And the funny part is she gave me an ultimatum to marry her and then I gave her an ultimatum and said, then you have to make me a dad. And I didn't want to get married, got married, so happy that she made me. And now my wife feels the same way about motherhood, where she was like, I'm so happy that you made me and pushed me in this direction because my wife has turned out to be an absolutely amazing mother. But, you know, there's all the things that that go through your mind of like, oh, my gosh, like this human I'm, I'm responsible for. You know, I got to give them the best life I can give them. You know, am I, am I that person? Am I good enough? Am I, you know, at that time I'm living in Los Angeles. I'm a, I'm a, you know, mid-level headliner making, I, I wouldn't even say mid-level. I was a lower level headliner, not making a lot of money and, and living in, you know, at that time, West Hollywood in a one bedroom apartment going, holy crap, now what? Yeah. You know, so a lot of fear, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Um, I was completely, you know, I think I'm a crazy person. Everybody does. I was so upset that my son was going to be born in California. So I got some dirt from Texas and I put it underneath my wife's bed so that my son could be born on Texas soil. Oh, nice, man. So that's the kind of weirdo I am. I, you know what though? I don't, I don't think that's being weird. There's, there's, there's a, once, like once you become a dad, there's different things about legacy and traditions that you want to carry on. And also too, I appreciate your honesty about what you wanted to do, you know, being a dad and you kind of like didn't want to get married, but then your wife didn't want to, you know, be a mom, but then wanted to get married. And then all of a sudden it all worked out and you got to balance each other out. My wife, so we have two daughters and I'm the third. And so we were saying like, all right, if we're going to have a boy, she's like, what should we name it? We can name it maybe like AJ. I'm like, no, if we're going to name it, we're going to give him a full name and it's going to be the fourth. And one of my friends like, what are you doing? Trying to build a dynasty? I'm like, no, there's just certain traditions that you love it, to do, man. So I, I get it, the well, whole dirt there, man. It's great. But what's even weirder about it is when you're growing up, you go, why do I got to be a third? <laughs> why, what, what's wrong with my dad? You know, and then as you get older, you go, you know what, man? That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I'm going to do that for my son. 
He's going to hate me till junior high or high school. And then he's going to figure it out. Right. No doubt, man. We all have those moments of clarity at different stages of our lives. And and it's and it happens, you know, at that time for a reason. I was talking to a couple other comedians before, and they said that one of the things that they look to instill into their kids is the value of a sense of humor because it can get you through tough times and get you through good good times. It also can help you like get land that job interview because you kind of make you know you made an impression on on someone, right? So I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but talk about some of the values you're looking to instill into your kids and is a sense of humor one of them? I, I don't know so much sense of humor is is high on my priority list. I, I mean. For me, it's it's appreciation. You know, since him being born, we have become, you know, for lack of better terms, rich. And, you know, we live in a very expensive neighborhood. We live in a very expensive home. And, you know, to, to try to instill into my son, uh, especially that you have to appreciate the things that you have. And how do you do that? Right. And that's actually one of the themes of my new special is raising my kid in a way kind of the way I grew up without being in the environment that I grew up in, right? So appreciation is huge, work ethic. And one of the things that I, I really work hard on is mental toughness. Mm. You know, I, I try to bully him a little bit. I try to show him how to pick on each other and how for him, and, and maybe that is sense of humor because I'm like, dude, hit me back, bro, right? <laughs> yeah, I hit you with something, you hit me with something. Yeah. And he has learned to kind of, go back and forth and we burn each other, you know, and I try to instill in him that, man, look, dude, words don't hurt. You know, very early on in his little league career, he's an amazing baseball player, my son, and I'm not bragging. He's just very good. Um, and this one kid hated him and would always tell him that he sucked and it would destroy him. And I told Garrett, I go, do you, do you suck? Well, no dad, I don't. So that was a big lesson that I had to instill in him. Like you need to know who you are inside yeah. And and words don't bother you. And I think that we live in a society that we are not making our kids mentally tough. We we no longer have to be physically tough in this world, right? This world is not a physically tough world. We don't have to go out and hunt for our food. We don't have to go out and survive malaria, right? But we do mentally have to be able to deal with all the things that come at us. So that is something that I'm really working on with my children is that that mental side of the game so that they could have the advantage when, you know, they don't come home and go, well, so-and-so told me that I'm a gap tooth. Well, what did you tell him? Yeah. You know, back in the day it was, he hit you, you hit him back physical. Now do people don't fight, you know, you know, when I was growing up, you fought, but you know, just that, that mental part of the game. And, and I think that parents miss out on that and they're not teaching their kids to be mentally tough. Yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. Like you want to teach them kindness and be kind to others. But if someone's going to start putting you down and just kept on doing it, like the whole idea, like the, like the stereotypical bully you'd see like in the after school special where it's like, once you stand up for yourself, the bully's like, well, I'm not going to, this is, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And like you said, it's more or less like verbal now. And the, the idea is like, if you can kind of defend yourself verbally and have a good sense of humor and have that quick wit about you, I, I totally understand that. I, but, but also building the confidence inside of them. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, constantly letting my son know, you know who you are. Yeah. You know, but that was something that, that my dad did for me. You know, my dad put a lot of pride in me and, and my dad constantly told me, Hey, you may be the 12 year old that's on a roof roofing a house right now. And your friends are making fun of you for it. But I assure you that you're going to be a better man later on in life because I am teaching you how to work hard. And at the time, you know, my friends would drive by and, I'm over there on the roof, you know, trying to make a couple bucks because my dad put me to work. I was embarrassed. And my friends would be like, hey, dude, let's go play. Let's go hang out. And I'm like, dude, I got to work. And I hated it. But now my work ethic is through the roof. I am more successful than 90, 95% of my friends. And it's all because my father made sure to put inside of me, you are going to be better. Do not let that bother you. You just keep working, right? So, I mean, I think that there's so much to being a, a parent and, and especially a son, man. And I, I know, you know, this world that we live in where we're equals and blah, blah, blah. We're not, we're different. You know, men and women are different. Are we equal? Yeah, absolutely. We're equal, but we are different. No you know, we live in a different world, men, men and women, you know, and it's just how it is. And, you know, with my daughter trying to do the same things with her, but she's only three. So, you know, my wife 
is the one that disciplines her. I spoil her. I discipline my son. She spoils my son. Right. So we have that balance. <laughs> no doubt. I love that. And, you know, also too, you, you were mentioning like, you, you know, you grew up in differently in, in the type of home and all that. And you want to make sure that, you know, you, you instill in your kids, like, Hey, you got to earn it and work for it. But also another thing too, that I think that you, you do well, and it's a great way to show your kids is to pay it forward. You raised money through the helicopter for heroes an organization betting, um, benefiting veterans. Yeah. Right there. And like over the years, man, you've wa- raised over like 1.5 million. So that's kudos to you for doing that in two years. You've been doing that. Talk about that program and also the effect. We we're talking about legacy earlier, like the legacy you're going to pass on to your kids being like, hey, we do have a lot of good stuff. We're fortunate to have that, but yet we're also helping others. Talk about the importance of doing that, not just for your kids, but just for you in general to kind of have. Well, that- the, the 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 numbers are wrong. We did 1.2 million last year alone. Oh, and, and I apologize about that, but I've been at it for eight years now. And, you know, I started off, you know, talking about veterans on stage and, and just giving it up for veterans at the end of my show because my dad's a Vietnam veteran. And then I got approached by a friend of mine. He said, hey, we, we need a celebrity to join our charity so we can really start raising money. So I joined Helicopters for Heroes. I am now on the board uh, of the Helicopters for Heroes. And that's another way, you know, my son volunteers with me. My son, my son comes with me. My son, when we have a golf tournament, I put him to work at the golf tournament selling merchandise, you know, cleaning off the tables. I mean, I put his I put his ass to work and, you know, but I have to show him that because we are so blessed, we should be giving back, you know, and it is absolutely mind blowing to people. You know, if we're in a restaurant and my son sees a, a veteran wearing a veteran hat, my son will go over there and say, thank you for your service. My son will come to me and say, dad, can we buy his lunch? And we do, we buy their lunch, but it all comes from my son because he sees it. And, and that's another thing. We we shelter our children so that they don't see the other side of the world, right? And, and I want my son to see how lucky he is. So, you know, we volunteered to feed uh, 500 um, men and women who are in our service uh, for Thanksgiving, took my son and explained to him, hey, we're at home celebrating Thanksgiving. These people are serving our country. They can't leave base. You know, to see some of these men and women who are at our events, missing limbs, you know, sometimes, you know, no legs at all. And my son goes and talks to him and he sees it and he you should see the look on his face the first time he saw it where he was like, Dad, how come they don't have legs? And I said, because they sacrificed for us. Yeah. You know, so my son is seeing the other side of, of the world and other side of things. And through Helicopters for Heroes, not only am I able to raise money for veterans, I'm able to educate my children and have them be a part of something bigger than me, bigger than than comedy, and show that, hey, man, I don't just go tell jokes, make a bunch of money, put it in our pocket, and go party. No, we take that, that celebrity that we've earned and we give back, right? So I, I think as a parent, we should constantly be looking for where's the lesson. Right. Where is the lesson in this? Where where can I is there a teaching moment? We have to remember that these kids know nothing. They know zero. And the people, the people that they admire and they're around the most are their parents. And if you're not teaching them, people lose their minds when they see my son on a zero turn out here cutting the grass at five years old. You know, and they come up to me and they go, Why is that little child cutting the yard? I go, because I taught him. (laughs) You're not teaching your kids. You know, we have a Polaris. My son at four years old would have to stand up and he would drive my Polaris around and people would go, is that kid driving me around in a Polaris? He's four. I go, yeah, because I taught him. Yeah. You know, and in order to 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 learn, you have to make mistakes. I know my son's going to make mistakes. I, I assess the risk and I let him make mistakes assessing the risk. Yep. You know, and, and if you don't do that, you know, these parents now, they keep them so close. I don't want them to get hurt. Well, that's too big for them. And I don't want them doing that. And they shouldn't cut the yard. Well, why not? Yeah. He's on a zero turn. I was pushing a lawnmower. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I, I think that the blessing of Helicopters for Heroes is also a, a teaching moment for me and my kids. 
No doubt. Yeah. I love that. Paying it forward. Like we, uh, once a month uh, help out this one shelter and it's just, you know, seeing the people that we get to, uh, help and, 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 and it's just, it, you, you realize like the, the, the value of everyone's life and how everybody has a story and everybody is important, no matter where they come from, their background, re, you know, uh, race, creed, color, whatever. And I love the fact that you're doing that. And the, and the fact that he's helping out during those events is just, is like a shit. Remember, I'm not on the, I'm not blocking traffic with a sign that says yeah. help veterans. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I get so mad at these people that are out there on the streets you know, with their sign blocking good, hardworking people from going to work. If you have eight hours a day to block people's traffic, then why are you not at the Boys and Girls Club? Why are you not raising money? Why are you not shaking hands? Why are you not bringing that homeless person new clothes? Do I love veterans? Yeah, I'm going to bring awareness at my shows. I'm going to raise money. I'm going to build houses for them. I'm going to give them wheelchairs that they need so that they can coach their kid in Little League. I'm going to do things that change lives. I'm not going to stand out there with a sign. Yeah. Sorry, I got worked up. I apologize. No, 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 no. I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, you, like if you have an idea of do, helping, find a way to constructively help. I totally get that. Talk about something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad. Oh, dude, they, every day. Every day I learn lessons from my children. You know, every day you see yourself in your children and, you know, you see your bad habits um, in your children and you go, oh, my gosh, I got to be better. You know, so there's not a day that goes by that I don't see or, or or feel something that I go, oh, gosh, that's totally me. You know, that's, you know, um, they're pre-wired and they're wired because of us. Right. So, you know, to watch <laughs> to, and this morning, you know, funny you say that I was dying laughing because my daughter came into bed with us this morning fell asleep with us. And my wife and my daughter were sleeping exactly the same. And dude, I freaking died laughing because they had the same arm position. They were both kicked to the side and I go, Oh, I got to take a picture. Right. Like, yeah. so, you know, you see yourself and, and your kids make you better. You hope that they make you better, you know, but then again, the crazy part, like I said, them being pre-wired, I have a huge temper. You know, my father has a huge temper. Uh, we fly off the handle. I'm a fighter by nature, you know, and I always thought that my anger came from things that happened to me as a child, right? And, and same as my father. And I have never showed my son the, that side of me, yet he has it, Yeah. right? I watch my son fly off the handle. I watch my son get in fights constantly and get angry. And I go, why, you know? It, but it's just in us, you know, it is who we are. So, you know, there's times that, that, you know, my daughter, for example, my wife does not like the word no. You cannot tell my wife no. And if you tell her no, she's going to make it happen. She will, she will bitch, she will complain. She will do whatever it takes to get what she wants. Yeah. And you, I see that in my daughter, you know? So I see this things that, that are us, that are in our kids and you go, oh crap, how do I fix it? How do I change it, right? How do I make them better? Because you want your kids to be better than you. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like it. But that's the other thing that's scary about my success. I am at the top of the food chain success-wise. My son now has to live up to that and be better. There's not much better. Yeah. You know, I am 1% of America. So my son now has to be 0.05, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so then how do you then look at that from far and go, okay, how do I make sure that my son understands that he doesn't have to live like this to be a success? Yep. He doesn't, he doesn't have to make this kind of money to be a success, to be better than me. Yeah. You know, so it, there are things that every day you look at your kids and you go, God, how do I fix that? How do I do better? Gosh, they just taught me a lesson, right? Or man, I bite my nails and it doesn't look good. I watch him bite his nails now and I go, I go, buddy, don't bite your nails. And he goes, you do it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, crap, right? Like, what, now what, you know? So it's- So tough. you do it is such like a, like, a, like a deal breaker. It's like, it's just like, all right, yeah, you won. Like, oh, Well, you know, I, I remember I, I drove home drunk uh, when I was a teenager and my dad wakes up in the morning and he goes, come here. 
and he opens up my car door, my truck door, and he pulls out a bottle of Crown Royal from the bottom of my seat. He goes, what is this? And I went to his truck, opened his truck, and I pulled a bottle of Crown out of the bottom of his seat, right? And, and he was like, don't worry about what I do, you know? <laughs> but, but it's all learned behavior too, you know? Yeah, no doubt, man. Dad hack or piece of advice? I mean, a lot of things that you're saying, I think people can take to heart and act and use for, you know, parenting advice. But for new dads, listen to this parenting hack or piece of advice. What would you offer to new dads? Here's what I tell dads all the time, because people come up to me and I am blessed. I have an amazing son. And I think that part of that success is I put everything on him. I try to explain to parents that they are not your property. They're their own people. And this idea of because I said so is not okay, in my opinion. And pushing your kids to do something, to want something, to care about something because you want it isn't effective. So what I do with my son is I say, look, son, we can play baseball. We both like baseball. You like baseball. You can be good at it and you're already good at it. And we'll go play baseball. Or do you want to be great? And then my son will say, well, I want to be great. So then I tell him, I go, okay, son, in order to be great, then I have to be hard on you. Then we have to practice every day. Then these are the things that, that, that takes for it to take to be great. So then when we're practicing and he's not into it or he's not working hard, I'll walk off and he'll go, where are you going? And I go, well, buddy, you don't, you obviously don't want to be great and you're already good. So I'm going to go inside and he'll go, wait, 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 come back. <laughs> please I want to be great so it's on him now that's just an example but all of it should be that way yeah you know even when it comes to behavior I always tell my son bro you're embarrassing you see our parents and other people have the idea that oh my god you're embarrassing me why are they embarrassing you they're their own person yep so I go to my son and I go hey buddy is is this how you want to act do you think this is a good look for you no, dad, it's not a good look. Then you can choose to do it and embarrass yourself or you can choose to be a good kid. What, yeah. what do you choose? Yeah. And 99.9% of the time they go, I choose to be a good kid. Okay, buddy, then you make that decision. Yeah. So that that has been, the, the for me, a game changer and looking at it as a, they're their own person. You know, I don't tell my kid, hey, you have to do your homework because I said so. Yeah. You know, I go to my kid and I go, hey, you need an education. Yes, dad, I do. Okay. Then before you go to bed, you need to make sure you do your homework. And I won't bother you and I won't be on your ass if you do it on your own. Yeah. But don't be mad at me when you don't do it and I'm on your ass. Yeah. So then they, then they just, Garrett just does it, you know, because he's like, hey, and I go, I don't care what you do, man. You want to play a video game? You want to go outside? You can do all those things. But by, before you go to bed, uh, yeah. this needs to be done. <laughs> right? So, that, I mean, that's my big advice to, to parents is that we got to get out of the habits that our parents had. And our parents were, because I told you so, because I'm the adult and you're the kid, because I know better. I know better. <laughs> How about you sit down with your kid, have, have a real dialogue. Yep and explain to your kid why jumping on the trampoline into the swimming pool is not a good idea. Yeah. Because these are the things that might happen, buddy. And if you want to continue to do that, when those things happen, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Then they go, well, man, you know, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't jump off the house on the trampoline into the pool. Yeah, buddy, it's probably a really bad idea. <laughs> but just because I told you so, they look at you and go, I'm going to do it anyway. Who are yeah. you to tell me? And I tell people that all the time. I go, they they should be, they're not your property, right? So if I'm talking to my wife, I wouldn't talk my wife. I wouldn't tell my wife because I said so. Yeah. I wouldn't tell my wife because I know better. Get over it, woman. Do what I tell you. No, I go, hey, maybe buying that Rolex right now isn't a good idea because it's tax season, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever, right? So I, I just, I equate it to them being, they're they're grown-ups in little bodies. And and I and I tell my son and my daughter, I treat you like an adult. Yep. 
I don't treat you like a baby. I don't baby you. So that's my advice to young dads is, is to realize that you don't own them and to put it on them. Let yeah. them make the decisions for themselves. Yeah. Let them learn life skills at an early age and they'll just speak and they'll want to do more. They'll have that desire. And I, communication is huge. Like one of the people, you know, one of the things that people ask me, and I always say like, if you communicate with them and you understand what is big and like important in their life right now, because someone's like, Oh, don't worry. In a couple of years, you're, that won't worry. That's they'll, they'll turn you off. And they're like, yeah, I'm not fine. I, I won't come to you then if you're not going to be there to listen to me. So again, like with your idea of like treating them like young adults or, you know, tiny adults, man, that's that. I love that. Um, well, and, re and remember that, that their feelings matter. Yeah. And yes. you know, yes. that's another thing. I always acknowledge their feelings. You know, I don't, I don't look at my son and go, stop being a little bro. You know, like that was my dad. You know, yeah. you're going to cry. Come on, we'd be a little, let's go, dude. And I'm like, no, but I feel this way. Yeah. You know, so going to, you know, I go to my kids and say, Hey, I understand how you feel. I absolutely feel what you're feeling. I get yeah. it. I understand. That's huge for you. You're eight. I understand that, that, that the, the, the world just ended for you because your Xbox broke. Yep. I understand that. Come here, hug me, but now you got to get over it and you got to cope. And then here are the solutions, right? So, but that's, that goes in line with treating them like their own person. They are their own person, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just the, the formation of like life skills is the theme. I love it. One more question actually just popped in there. Baseball is huge for you. And it seems like it's huge for your son. Any cool, like fun bonding baseball moments or like cool, like moments that you'd like to share with my audience? Oh man, we had a uh, uh, a couple of moments, you know, where, gosh, man, I, you know, I, you, you I, I'm, I'm the, I'm a coach. I coach, so mm -hmm. I am also the coach that's the hardest on my son. <laughs> you know, my son gets zero slack from dad. You know, he plays shortstop because he earns the position. Mm -hmm. Like I, and I want every parent and every other coach to not say Garrett plays shortstop because daddy's the coach. Yeah, they know that I am the hardest on him. Right. And one of the things that I try to do is I do not react positively or negatively to anything he does. My son gets the same smile, the same high five, whether he did good or whether he did bad. I don't lose my when he does bad. I don't lose my when he does something great. Right. Um, I try to be very even keeled. So, you know, we were in the championship game and it was up to him to knock in the winning run. And man, dude, I never thought I would have the anxiety that I had for him, you know? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, dude, just please, like, it's two outs, all the pressure's on you. You got to hit this run in and we win, but I'm going to be so heartbroken if, if it doesn't happen for you. And it did. And, you know, to see all the bench cleared, all his little buddies came out to grab him and dude, he was knocking them out of the way to get to me. You know, and he could care less that these kids, I'm getting choked up right now, and he just wants me. And I just come down to my knee, and he tackles me, and we just have this moment on the field. And he could care less that those kids, his teammates, wanted to cheer him on and high-five him and hug him and, and dogpile him. He wanted to be with dad, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was just a beautiful moment. And then two weeks ago, um, because I am on the road and we play tournaments on Saturday, I'm not at the tournaments. I coach on Tuesday and then I don't get to coach at the games. I, I still do, but not, you know, all the time, depending sure. on my schedule. Um, so this fall season, he has not gotten the game ball. And he called me very upset and said, dad, you know, I didn't miss the ball. I played every play, right. I was on base every single hit. Yeah. I, I you know, and he's had several of those games where he, he's just a good baseball player. So he's very consistent. He's not hitting home runs, but he's getting on base. He's, you know, they call him the vacuum. The balls aren't getting by, right? He's a great baseball player. But that was a great lesson through baseball to tell him, do you need that ball? Does that ball change the way you play? You know, we have other kids that were trying to build their confidence where Maybe they had a slump and they haven't been hitting, but then they hit a great ball that game, yeah. right? That kid needs that ball more than you. And, you know, having that moment to teach where I go, does it, do we play for trophies? Do we play for the game ball or do we play because we absolutely love this game and we want to be good at it? Yeah. 
So that was another great learning moment for my son. And, you know, I had the coaches call me. It was funny. Shortly after that, they go, hey, we know Garrett hasn't got the game ball. Should we give it to him this week? And I said, no. I said, if you if he if you feel the need to give it to him, then give it to him. I said, but don't give it to him because daddy's coach. Yeah. You know, so again, he didn't get it. You know, because we had a kid that needed the confidence building that hasn't been hitting the ball that hit the fence. That kid needs the ball. Hey, dude, great job. Let's go. Right. So, you know, through again, I'm always looking for the lesson. I'm always looking for a teaching moment. So good. Yeah. I, I Yeah. This is the idea of like, hey, what do you play for? Like that. That's such a great question to ask. I love it. So moving on to your, uh, you know, we're going to talk focus on your career now. Uh, a lot of cool like specials you have, but now you're prepping up for a new Netflix special. Congrats on that, man. Talk a little bit about how you're prepping up for that. And, you know, if I talk to other comedians, they'll say, like, they'll go to different places, test out stuff. But for you, like, how are you prepping up for this one? And I'm on, I, you know, I'm on tour and I have been on tour for 22 years now. Um, I'm a touring comedian, always been a touring comedian. So I write material as I'm touring. Um, now, COVID, you know, I know that COVID is now three years past but COVID really screwed up my schedule and, and what I mean by that is every two years I would write material I'd film it I'd put it out there and I would start so when COVID hit I was ready to film so then all of a sudden we took this year off I came back on the road had to gather things together six more months now we're four years into that material when I'm, no I'm normally two we film and then now I've been touring with this longer than I would like. So I, I tour with it. I tell stories on stage. They're really fat. They're long stories. I cut them down to, to be, you know, I, look, I, you know, these comedians now, and, and I will never name any names, but you know, it's all about the shock and the pause and punchlines are a crutch, you know, yeah. and, and I'm old school. I want last per minute. Yeah. You know, I want last LPIs, man, or LPNs, right? I want last per minute. So I take a great story and I, I make it as funny as I can because I want people choking on their own breath. I want people peeing their pants. I want people to laugh because at the end of the day, I'm a comedian. My yeah. job is to make you laugh. Number one. Number two, can I make you think? Number three, can I touch your soul? Mm. Right? So that is my formula. My formula is... I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to, I'm going to make you think, and then I'm going to touch your soul. Yeah. Right. So I, that's the formula that I have gotten now. And then I, and then once I get, get kind of the, the bones and it's kind of tight, I bring in my friend who's a professional writer from kids in the hall, mad TV, um, blue collar TV, the tonight show. I bring him and then he kind of goes, Hey, get rid of that F-bomb. You don't need it. Write a better joke. Let's write a better joke together. You know, here's the line. Try to this, try that. Why don't you take this bit, move it over here, you know, and try it like this. And then he comes in with me and we just work out the details and the tiny little jokes. So we are, we're ready. I mean, I've got uh, eight more shows till showtime. And once I put it on Netflix, it is, let's start writing new material. Okay. Nice. You know, you mentioned um, like stand-ups today. I'm not asking you to name any names, but like for you personally, you've been doing it for a while. You've been doing it really well for a while. Talk a little about like the evolution, maybe not just for your career, but just the way stand-up is, is now, you know, post-COVID, um, what the perception is and how you feel like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing the way it's involved, evolved? Like just what's your take on just this situation with stand-up right now? Man, it's such a messy place. But, you know, if if you look at the comedians that sell out theaters and arenas, they're all storytellers. Mm. You know, there's very few comedians that are joke writers um, that sell out arenas, you know. Um, so with TikTok and all this stuff happening, we're starting to see more comedians that are selling out arenas that are not storytellers, you know. But are they going to stay in arenas? Are they going to stay in theaters? Because... You know, I believe that there's nothing funnier than real life and that relatable humor to a person is more valuable, in my opinion, than a clever joke. 
Now, through my storytelling, there's a lot of clever jokes and there's a way to make you laugh. But at the end of the day, if I touch your soul, you know, and, and that's what so, I'm so proud about this set right now is that, you know, right now I have grown men and women literally in tears of emotion laughing as well. Because yeah. I am talking about raising my kids and how much I respect my parents and how hard they worked. And, you know, but the state of comedy, we need uh, freedom of speech. And if you don't like it, change the channel. If you don't like it, walk out because different strokes for different folks. Yeah. You know, I have some friends that are comedians who are fantastically amazing at telling filthy, aggressive uh, jokes that should not be told. They're very good at it. Yeah, I don't find it funny. I don't enjoy that kind of humor. But there are people that have a dark sense of humor that need that. So it has gotten muddy water. There's a line that I do in my act right now that, you know, I had a friend from New York come up to me and go, oh, that might cancel you. And I'm like, no, I'm not getting canceled. Yeah. Because the people that love me, love me for me. They know my intentions are good. And if people want to come after me, let them. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get my audience and the people that love me. And there's only one person that can cancel me. And that's my wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I lose her. I'm canceled. Yeah. You know, speaking of your wife, talk a little bit about the podcast you guys have together. Steve Trevino and the captain, captain evil. Is it hard crafting work like the podcast with her just because, I mean, it seems like you guys have an open and honest relationship. We were sharing, you know, things right off the bat. Like when we were talking about, you know, when you found out you're going to be a dad, just sharing, you know, you, you were so honest with your perception of fatherhood and, you know, your wife's perception of motherhood and all that. But is it, do you have to like, not toe a line, but like, do you watch certain things and certain topics you say, as opposed to your own comedy specials? No, that I mean, the idea behind uh, the podcast was really to kind of give people a behind the scenes and, a, and give her a voice, Okay, right? I wanted to give her an opportunity to defend herself, to hear her side of the story. And it's so funny you say that, that I was so honest. You know, that was, that that is our mantra. That is what we, the way we live life is open, honest, for real, you know, and, and I have a special called My Life in Quarantine and we had gotten pregnant and I immediately started talking about her being pregnant again. And she goes, Steve, it's too early. What if something happens? I go, nothing's going to happen. Like, you know, we've been, we're both healthy. We're young. Nothing's going to happen. Well, something did happen. And uh, six months into it, we lost that baby. Mm. And then in tears, my wife goes, now what? Yeah. I go, we talk about it. We talk about it. We let people know what happened and what happened to us. And we were honest about it. So when I did my life in quarantine um, during the pandemic and I put it on Amazon Prime, there's an entire 30 minutes of me talking about losing that baby, trying to have another baby, what we went through. And I think the beautiful moment at the end of that was bringing my wife on stage eight months pregnant, you know, and, and, and the, the messages that I get from people that say, you help me and my husband talk about miscarriage. Yeah. My husband refused to talk about going to a, a fertility clinic. My husband completely shut down when we lost the baby. And because of your standup, we are now having that open conversation. Right. So we have always decided, let's be honest, let's be real. This is a real marriage. You know, there are times on the podcast where we we literally get into an argument and we leave it in. <laughs> and then we walk off and we go, oh, my God, they're going to think we're evil people. Like, th these, I mean, what are we doing? And at the end of the day, we get messages like you're just like us. Yeah. Oh, my God, you make us feel not alone. Oh, my God, we got in the same argument. So. You know, my wife, I, I think the celebrity's dead. I think the idea of this perfect celebrity and this perfect person, people don't want to see that anymore. Yeah. That's why reality TV blew up. That's why YouTube is doing so well. That's why your podcast is successful. Because these are honest conversations that are rough around the edges, that are real. Everything I said right now, I can't take back. Yeah. We said it. It's out there. And either people are going to love me for it or hate me for it, but it is who I am. And let's go. Well, again, 
the honesty, I think, you know, one of the things I try, my wife and I try and be with our kids is totally honest because they can, they can kind of sniff if someone's not being authentic, right? I think kids have that thing. But you said earlier about like, oh, it's not just me. Or like, we can talk about this because you talked about that. Kind of get a little goosebump moment right now because like I've had people come to like, you know, email me on my podcast being like, hey, someone talked about like losing a child or not being able to have a baby through the regular ways or whatever. It's not just me. And there is that sense of like, it's not just me. Other people have gone through it. I'm not saying it takes the pain away completely, but also like, oh, thank God. It just isn't me. And other people can bond over that. So again, Really appreciate that. One more question before we finish off with the father quick five. And, and, you know, sometimes people don't want to talk about this and some people are like, I want to put in the universe and see what happens. You've like accomplished so much. Is there like TV series, book, movie, anything or project you would love to like, someone's like, Hey, Steve, you got the green light. What would you like to do? I bet there's thousands of projects in your mind because you're a creative guy, but is there one like you'd love to share or obviously too, the way people are right now, people will see like, Oh, Steve's got a great idea. And I'm going to take that. So you can be like, yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Cause I don't want to No, You know what? I, I have never had um, quote unquote commercial success. And I, and what I mean by that is, is every special until now, my wife and I have produced on our own. Mm. Um, you know, nobody has ever come to me and said, we want to have a special with you. We have produced them on our own. Um, I have been on the road for 20 something years doing stand up. It is the way I make my living. Nothing would make me happier create for my creative mind to take three, four, five months off to do a movie, a TV show, a voiceover, make some income doing that, to then take a break off the road so I could be with my family more, so that I could sell more tickets, so that I can travel less yeah. and go out and do so I just need a break from the, the actual on the road touring. And nothing would make me happier than you know, a, a TV show, but I'm also at the point where I'm not going to do a pilot. You know, you, you can't pay me enough to do a yeah. pilot. Yep. I make more money doing my podcast than you're going to pay me to do a pilot. <laughs> so either you're going to give me 10 episodes or I'm going to stay here at my house and be in this studio creating. Yeah. Right. Um, I, have some, I have some amazing movie ideas that I would like to see come to fruition um that i think represent the mexican-american in a way that's not ghetto um i feel like we're always represented as as single parents we're always represented as the valet parker the the cook the maid the you know um yeah. and, and you know use a modern family for example i guess the only way this woman gets in the family is to be a bombshell latina you know to marry an old man and of course, she already had a kid out of wedlock. You know what I mean? And, and so I have some ideas that for me um, will, will, will propel the Mexican-American in a different way, just like my podcast does, just like my stand-up does. I show the world here is a modern couple who both are Mexican-American and we are not maids and we are not single parents and we are not, I did not grow up on welfare and, you know, we are not, we are not the stereotypical what we are used to seeing on TV and the news. Um, so that's also very important to me to, to raise awareness that I am an American first with Mexican American roots, yeah. with Mexican roots, you know? Um, and I think that there's a, a stigma for us as these people that come here and want to take, 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 well, that's not true. My father served in the Vietnam war, you know, my, my grandfather served in world war two, you know? So, it, it, you know, we are hardworking Americans like everybody else, and I would like to represent that. Steve, I'd love to see that, man. I hope one of the, like that that would be amazing. And after a while, like it gets exhausting to try and beat those stereotypes away and be like, we don't need those. So love that. But also, too, gotta salute you and your wife for the grind, man. Like especially for me, running my own business, I get it. Where it's just like you would love for something to come in where it's like, all right, you 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 personally wear so many hats, right? And if you could take two of those hats off just for, like you said, like four months, five months or half of a year, so you could spend time with your family. I totally, I feel that in my bones. So I understand that the, the work ethic of someone who is yourself, like an entrepreneur, a hustler, and want to make sure that you're providing for your family, totally get that. But it would be nice being like, can I just, can I just catch my breath. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I call it free money, right? <laughs> can I get some free money? You know, I have, all my friends are famous and they get free money all the time. Yeah. Right. They get they get offered 
you know, here's two million bucks to do a commercial. Here's two million bucks to be in a movie. That's free money. Can I get free money? You know, can I just get money or do I have to go out and perform and work my ass off every second and self-produce and put my own money up? And I mean, can I just get some free money? Yeah. I, I've earned it. I've worked hard. You know, uh, it, it I, you know, probably irks you too. Cause like people who don't know your whole story might see the nice house, might see this, like, Oh yeah. It looks like you have a good life. Like it's an easy life. Like, no, nah, not so fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I work my ass off, man. You know, I, I work I, every dollar I make. I earned it. There is no yeah. free money at this house, buddy. <laughs> no doubt, man. Love that. Thank you very much for talking father and talking shop and just talking about your great career in the podcast, man. We're going to finish off with the father quick five. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one? Uh, Sandlot. Oh, nice. Such a good movie. We watch it all the time. Nice. Favorite song or family song right now? Or is there a band or, you know, a genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Uh, well, no, but I, I think our favorite song right now because of my daughter is the Moana. Uh, oh. it, there's a, a, I'm a demigod. And I made the joke that the, the, the song's about me. I'm the demigod. Yeah. I got the bod, I got the tattoos, you know, and everything we have is because of me and the whole family just has. So then my daughter's in the back in her car seat and she'll go, play the daddy song. And then of course the rest of the family just rolls their eyes like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> but we all know the words. <laughs> Love it. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? For me, uh, heaven on earth is in my backyard on a summer evening, making hot dogs and hamburgers and swimming in the pool with my family. That is heaven on earth for me. And that is probably the most valuable thing and, and something that I cherish. And summer comes around and I can't wait to light the grill in the evening when the when the Texas heat is chilling out and we're in my beautiful pool that I never get to be in. And I'm throwing my kids around and my wife is, you know, in the pool with us and we're having, you know, a drink or two, me and the wife and yeah. all is good in the world, man. Nice. Love it. Yeah. You're done with traveling. That's not a vacation spot. Yeah. Your home is where it is, man. I love it. Favorite. Do you, I, I know, you know, we were kind of talking uh, before we started recording, like you're a big Astros fan. So is would it be hard to narrow down like a favorite Astros player? Oh man. You know, that's, that's a tough one because, you know, I have been, you know, growing up, Nolan Ryan was such a big thing in my house. Yeah. You know, my dad loved watching Nolan Ryan play and all I have in my head are those gaudy outfits. Those are the awesome. stripes <laughs> across the chest, right? The, when I think Astros, that's yep. the thing that comes to my head. Yep. And I think Nolan Ryan. So, you know, watching Nolan Ryan play, and, and, and I think the key there is realizing that my dad loved watching it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, my dad would go, come here, watch this guy throw. Watch how hard he throws. You know, he's going to K this guy, you know, so it kind of broke my heart when he became a Texas Ranger, you know? Um, but yeah, favorite. And then I used to go to the, you know, we'd go to one game a year, all my uncles in a 15 passenger van nice. and we'd all load up with my cousins and my uncles and we'd go to the Astros game and we'd be in the nosebleeds and my uncles would be betting on who was going to get struck out, you know, getting hammered. And, you know, and I don't know if you know this and I don't even know if they have the record, but, I was there for several, you know, 15 inning games, okay. 18 inning games. I mean, just crazy. And my dad and my uncles were like, we're staying. You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody else is gone. And they're like, we're watching every pitch. We earned this, you know. Yeah. Um, so I did have a beautiful moment when the MLB last year uh, gave me two tickets uh, right behind home plate to watch the Astros. Uh, and I think they, what did they play last year? That was it the, wasn't the Twins, was it? Who won last year? I forget who it was, but oh gosh. Um, we lost. I was at that game. Oh, the Braves? And it was the Braves. Was No, was it the Braves? Anyway, we ended up losing. The Strohs lose. The house starts. It's like they pulled the fire alarm, right? Everybody starts to leave. I go, Dad, you ready to go? And my dad had this look on his face, and he goes, I've never seen this live. He goes, I have seen a million World Series people win. We're staying. Yeah. And me and my old man in an empty stadium watch them celebrate and take the the ring. And it was just a beautiful moment for me and my dad, you know, for and the way he looked at me and he said, No, 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 no. We're staying. Yeah. It was it was awesome. So we stayed. 
I I am right there with your dad. There's something about seeing. I was fortunate enough to get tickets um, through, like you mentioned, Crown Royal through Crown Royal one time to see the. I'm a Niners fan, but I saw the um, Seahawks take away the the beat the Broncos in in New York, and the Four Niners almost got into that game. It would have been like so good, right? And uh, I remember just watching it. The other people that like got the tickets, we were just watching it, and it was just like um, you're never gonna see like they work their butts off to get those ch- the championship. And I actually got some of the Super Bowl confetti. I still have it because it was like, that's a moment I want to have. So <laughs> right there with your dad, man. I love it. Um, well, uh, you, you know, when the, the, the expression stop and smell, right? Yeah. And, and enjoy, you know, I've learned as I got older to really enjoy moments, you know, and here was the moment with my dad, even though our team didn't win, we enjoyed the moment. And we also respected the fact that, like you said, this other team worked hard to get there. Yeah. You know, and just because my team didn't win, there's somebody out there really happy for these people. And, and I'm happy that they won too. Am I bummed out that my team lost? Absolutely. But man, what a cool moment with my dad. Love it. Love it, man. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Oh man, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Hardworking. Uh, I would like my son and my daughter to say that I tried that I really, really tried um, and that I was present. Nice. You know, I um, uh, I coach jujitsu on Tuesdays with my son. I, after that, we go to baseball practice. I coach that. I coach um, football on Wednesdays. And then I coach jujitsu on Thursdays. So I want my kids to also say that, I'm, that I was involved. I wasn't, I wasn't the, the vertical dad. You know, the horizontal dad. I didn't come and lay on the couch and watch TV. I was involved. I, I Steve, I think they definitely say that, man. You're you're well invested to uh you know in, into their into their future and into who they are, man. I love it. And I, I'm so glad your team reached out because I was just like, Oh, this would be a great fit for your podcast. You are a perfect fit for my podcast, man. Love hearing the way you look at fatherhood and all that. So again, I appreciate the time. People, make sure you follow Steve on Twitter at Mr. Steve Trevino and also Instagram at Texas Trevino. And if you want to see anything about this guy, make sure you support him over at stevetrevino.com. I wish you, like I said, wish you and your family continued success. But this was such a blast chatting with you, man. And I love, 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 love your take on fatherhood. Well, we got to catch up sometime. My people, please get my cell phone number. Shoot me a text after this. That way we can keep in touch. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I want to thank Tony's for sponsoring this week's Art of Fatherhood podcast. Really appreciate their support. And parents and grandparents, if you're looking for a great holiday gift, I definitely suggest you check out Tony's. Not only is it a great and entertaining toy for your kid, it's highly educational as well. And you'll see improved results on reading comprehension, vocabulary level, and so much more. Go to us.tonys.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out artoffatherhood.net. Not only can you get the weekly Art of Fatherhood podcast, but you can check out a lot of great articles around fatherhood, pop culture, giveaways, reviews, all that good stuff. And please rate, subscribe, and review the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. It helps get the word out of the podcast. Again, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Always appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.